Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear hotline coming up today. The fans are wrong. The season starts tonight. I'm too young to understand certain things. And Kenny the Jet stops by. All that and more in the next two hours. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. All these name brand players who have been in the public eye for years and years and years. Everybody looked at the NBA Finals and said, oh, we can get there next year. They are going to be a really interesting team. It still feels like what we're looking at here is a massive crapshoot. Are LeBron and Anthony Davis going to be healthy in the playoffs? And is Russell Westbrook going to change? It's time for some Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And the Straight Talk is, I'm confused, and I need some help. Bubba has triumphantly returned. Maybe Bubba can help me. Maybe Nuno can. Maybe Hembo can. Maybe you can today. But I'm confused by this. Why would LeBron James post a fiery message about his team's critics and his motivation to prove them all wrong and then delete it? That's what he did. Yesterday, LeBron James posted on Twitter, keep talking about my squad, our personal ages, the way he plays, he stays injured, we're past our time in this league, etc., etc., etc. Do me one favor, please, and I mean please, keep that same narrative energy when it begins. That's all I ask. LeBron tweeted that yesterday, and I like it. It's very 2021 of him. At his age, I'm just impressed he knows how to tweet. I mean, LeBron is so old, the key on Ben Franklin's kite was to his apartment. <laughs> his team is old. Dwight Howard is so old, when he was young, rainbows were in black and white. Trevor Ariza is so old, his social security number is one. <laughs> <laughs> Carmelo Anthony is so old, he has an autographed Bible. <laughs> Bubba, where are you here with me? I'm, I mean, I, this is as funny as it's going to get. Where are you? We're doing comedy up here. Where, where's, where's Bubba? I need a laugh track, a rim shot. What are we doing over there? Yeah, great work. <laughs> I'm certainly glad Bubba has returned. Yeah. Anyway, those were the jokes. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Now let's get down to business. LeBron tweeted it. Now here's the thing that I will say. When you tweet and delete something, if you're a person with 71 followers, it is very possible no one will ever know it was there. I should have looked this up. How many followers on Twitter does LeBron James have? Stand by. It's going to be a very large number. What's your guess? Well, I don't know. I have 1.1 million. I'm going to guess he has at least 1.2 million. He has 50. Uh, 50 million followers, yes. I said that jokingly. And the point of it is, (laughs) he's well aware that the moment he tweets something, it lives forever. And he is a very smart man. Thus, LeBron James deleting that tweet is part of a strategy. But I don't know what that strategy is. What is the strategy of putting something up there and then taking it down, knowing that everyone will see it, but then the message that you're further sending by deleting it? I'm fascinated by this stuff, the psychology of this stuff. Now, many of you may not know this, but Bubba, before he uh, transitioned into this outstanding career, 
in radio production. Uh, Bubba was actually a social media expert. He would design social media strategies and programs and platforms uh, for multiple celebrities. In fact, I think worked with several big names in the NBA. So here's the question, Bubba. What is the strategy behind LeBron tweeting that fiery message at his critics and then deleting it? Well, I think the the strategy is... I think he realized after he tweeted it, wait a second, we actually are old. (laughs) Maybe if I delete it, they won't realize it. I don't think so. I think it dawned on him. (laughs) I think it it finally came. You know, he probably got some tweets and he's like, wait a second, we are super old. Uh, They are. Elias tells us they are the oldest team in NBA history. So they are old. But it doesn't mean they aren't good. And it doesn't mean he doesn't want to continue to hear that same energy. They have Carmelo Anthony, who's 37. LeBron, Marcus Saul, and Trevor Ariza are all 36. Dwight Howard is 35. Wayne Ellington is 33. Russell Westbrook and Kent Bazemore are 32. Anthony Davis is the baby of the group. He's 28, but always hurt. So they are old. They are, their average age of their entire roster is 32.8. That will come down as they fill out their roster with you know very inexpensive young guys. But the point is, the people they're counting on are old. Bubba, did you not like any of those jokes? You didn't like Trevor Ariza is so old his social security number is one? <laughs> I mean, they're okay. It's, they're, they're a little, the jokes are as old as uh, the social security That's a line. good joke. You've heard that one before, that yeah, his social I've, security I've number is one. Before, yeah. You've heard all those jokes before. Are you implying you came up with it? No, I'm, I'm not implying that, but I'm implying I hadn't heard them before, and I Googled you're so old jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that explains where we are right now. And that's what I came up with. But yeah. anyway, well, the point of it is, so you're telling me you think that he tweeted that. He started reading some of the replies, some of the mentions, and in the mentions, people were pointing out, you do realize, LeBron, that you and your team are actually old, and he said... Oh, I now see the error of my ways. <laughs> no, I, I no, I don't think he really did that. I I don't know what in what context he would really delete it. And, and I mean, maybe I mean me neither. But he did it. I don't. Yeah, I mean, because I can't imagine someone told him to do that. Like, why would anyone? Ca- I don't know. That's I, what I mean. No, I I don't know. That's why I said it as a joke. But like, I don't. We're saying the same thing. That is, there's a strategy. You know, it in makes this. no. I don't know. Cause... But I want to be on the cutting edge of that stuff. You see, Bubba, because I'm an influencer. He said right. laughingly, and, and so I think that there's got to be. This is a thing now. Bubba, that you tweet something and then you take it down. Do people pay more attention to it if you have deleted it? Do you get a second run of people being interested in what you have said based upon the reaction to the deletion well, of we, the tweet? Well, we did get a second Chuck email, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke, well but it's funnier than any of the ones I did. Well Chuck done. is Chuck Salaturo, our beloved uh, assignment editor, news desk man who – who sends out all of the emails to uh, the entire staff whenever there's any sports news. And I would, I would describe him as not, not very discerning. I, I, I'm not sure what the word Judicious? is. He's, he's, no, he's, he, he doesn't hold anything back. Like I would suggest that during the two hours that I host Get Up, which is a really busy time for news, meaning all the stuff from last night that he is aggregating, I would say I average something in the neighborhood of 94 emails from him. <laughs> so <laughs> it did. There were two emails from Chuck on this one. So let, let me ask you, Emma, what do you think? 
Do you believe that there is a method to the madness? Why did why does he tweet that and delete it? There's no method to the madness. I don't know why we always think that rich and famous people are smarter than we are. Sometimes you just tweet something and then you regret it. So just like sometimes in life you say something and then you regret it. Twitter's a medium where you can pull it down. He tweeted it. He regretted it. He pulled it down. Now, why would he regret that? I don't know. You're making a motivational statement to yourself, mm-hmm. to your teammates, and you're sort of throwing down the gauntlet. What, what is there in that to regret? I don't know what he regretted, but I don't think that there's, there's some sort of mad scientist behind this. Do you? I think there is a method, yes. No I think, way. I think that this is, I think he's on the cutting edge. I think this is on the cusp of something new. I think what we're going to start to see are celebrities, famous people, tweeting things and then deleting them after they've been up long enough. Do we know exactly how long it was up? That I don't know. But leaving them up there long, again, if you have 50 million followers, you can leave it up there for 15 seconds mm-hmm. and it's going to get out there. And, and leaving it up just long enough that the world reacts, then you delete it, and then they, maybe they pay more attention once you've deleted it. I think that that is a social media strategy. Bottom line of it really is this. And for this, let me bring in uh, my main man, Nuno, my vice president of basketball insight. People are going to joke about how old they are because that's what people do, and they're old. But people are also going to say they're going to make the finals because they are. So, Nuno, the question is, will the Lakers' advanced age impact their ability to win the championship this year, yes or no? The more I've thought about it, the more I'm starting to lean no and that they will are they the favorites in the West to make the finals. And the reason because of these additions and someone like Westbrook being the young buck in that of these additions, LeBron won't have to carry them during the regular season. So he won't necessarily take nights off and like sit on the bench, but he'll he's able to take nights off on the court while playing. So he'll have enough in the tank to actually lead them in the playoffs. I will actually spin that even further. This is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Call or click today. Find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Is it possible that LeBron actually has the easier path to the finals than Kevin Durant does? Is it possible that we have seen a shift to where the East is actually going to be tougher than the West. I will make that case coming up in just a moment, and then I will explain how what appeared to be a very bad thing turned into very good news for fans of one NFL team. You'll hear which team it is next. We're just getting started. My name is Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. All 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. My guest, like Kenny the Jet Smith, a little over an hour from now on the Goodyear hotline. In just a moment, I'll explain how what appeared to be a bad thing turned into very good news for fans of one NFL team. We'll get to that, but first this from California Almonds. Country versus country, you versus the home printer. No matter the competition, you need natural fuel. And almonds are exactly that fuel for the best you. A handful of almonds have six grams of plant-based protein. Can't get any easier to fuel good so you can feel good. Now just choose how to get fueled up. Whole almonds is a snack, almond milk in your smoothies, or almond butter smeared on just about anything. Whether you're podium topping or printing at home, almonds in any form are natural fuel for the best you. California Almonds. Own your every day, every day. Before that football thing, I did want to touch on one quick question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. Steve and I were talking about the Eastern Conference last night. And, you know, we have, in my family, we are fans of the New York and Chicago sports teams because dad is from New York and mom is from Chicago. And both of them have been busy. The Knicks signing, or not signing, but uh, uh, extending Julius Randle today, they brought in Evan Fournier. Yesterday, we learned they're going to bring in Kemba Walker. The Bulls have completely remade their team. They have a big four with Vucevic and, and, and Zach Levine and now DeMar DeRozan and Lonzo Ball. So we were talking about that. The East is a two-horse race. It's Nets and Bucks. Those two teams seem clearly to be the two best teams in the East. But if you look at the rest of it, I think they can go eight deep and be pretty good. In fact, I'm not 100% sure when push comes to shove, they're not every bit as good as the top eight teams in the West. Now, I'm not sure what order we'd put them in, but Nuno, jump in with me here. I would put Nets one and Bucks two. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just going to list the other six teams in no order. Heat, Sixers, Celtics, Hawks, Knicks, Bulls. That's a pretty good group. And I'm not 100% sure that when it's all said and done, that the team that might not emerge as being really good from that mix is the Bulls. I think Chicago could wind up surprising a lot of people. I think the Knicks are going to get better. I do. The Hawks obviously had that sensational run. The Sixers, that's the big question mark because we need to see what they're going to wind up doing with Ben Simmons. The Heat adding Kyle Lowry, that's a nice fit, uh, I think, with Jimmy Butler and, and Adebayo and those guys. And then uh, the Celtics, I really don't know what to expect from them now with the coaching change and some of the other changes they've made there, but they still have Jason Tatum and, and a bunch of other good players. So who's the third team, in your opinion, right now, Nuno, in the East? I might say the Heat um, because of the unknowns with the Sixers and Ben Simmons and so forth. I think they might be, might be that team. I mean, forgetting about the regular season record, but the team that you could see being the biggest threat to a Nets-Bucks Eastern Conference final, in your opinion, is Miami. 
Yeah, because I'm not worried about Kyle Lowry and even Jimmy Butler. I know those guys are going to bring it every night, whereas this and Spolster is probably one of the top three best coaches in basketball, whereas I'm still worried about Ben Simmons being afraid to take a to actually dunk the ball. He's not going to be on that team. Though. I don't believe Ben Simmons is on the Sixers by the time we get there, but I understand what you're saying. Let me ask you about two other things. The Knicks, again, with the fortifications they've made, that's your team. How, con- how good are they? Second round good. Second rung, like hmm. five, six, and some, somewhere like that. Yeah, like finishing that four or five spot and actually win a first round and, you know, play the Bucks or the Nets tough in a second round matchup. Not going to be easy to do. Not, not going to be easy to win the first round. How about the Bulls? <sighs> Zach Levine, Vucevic, yeah, but Lonzo. Levine, you know, they, he wants to get paid. They don't want to pay him. Uh, so I think they're, they're a they're a nice story. They might finish, you know, I think they can finish in the playoff spot. I actually like the Wizards, actually, one of those teams mm. that might make a noise with the additions they did, especially if Spencer Dinwiddie comes back really healthy. I think that backcourt is one of the is one of the best backcourts in the East. Hembo, it could an argument be made, now you look at all these numbers, could an argument be made that the East, with all this fortification, has a chance to be just as good at the top as the West. It has a chance. The bottom of the East is much worse than the bottom of the West. Right. Last year, the East finished 34 games under 500 against the West. But this is the strongest East that I can remember. We just, you just rattled off eight teams that are all really good. Right. The East has not had eight teams that are even close to that any time in recent years. That's my point. So, okay, we'll see what winds up happening. But it was an interesting discussion. That it actually started with we were debating who has the best big three. Mm. Which teams have the best? Obviously, Lakers and, and, and Nets go in a separate category. Then probably Milwaukee. you got to give them their due. But there are a lot of other very interesting big threes, and that's where that conversation came from. You know, airlines, restaurants, and more have been ramping up their hiring. Who do they turn to? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds qualified candidates for your job, and you can easily invite your top choices to apply. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com Slash Greeny. Sneaky Big News. Okay, finally getting here. We have so much going on today. There's something that seemed to be a bad thing that happened that a lot of people are telling me is actually good news for one NFL team, and that team is the New York Football Giants. So you may have seen this, or you haven't actually seen it because there is no video of it that exists. But the Giants had a full-fledged brawl at practice the other day, like the kind of one where everyone is involved. Training camp fights are fairly commonplace, like brawls that, that essentially every single player is involved in and that the quarterback winds up at the bottom of a pile. That almost never happens in the NFL. And Joe Judge, the coach of the Giants, was enraged. The descriptions have been that he freaked out. He was yelling and screaming. He forced the players to run 100-yard sprints and then do push-ups. The kinds of things that just generally don't happen in the NFL. But Pat McAfee came on yesterday, right around this time. And he said, you know, Greeny, the fact that nobody on the Giants balked, that the only sound you could apparently hear while these players are doing push-ups was the sound of Joe Judge cursing, is actually a pretty good sign about the respect that Judge has on that team. And my buddy Chris Canty, who knows much more about the NFL than, than, than has already forgotten more about the NFL than I'll ever know, 
said a similar thing. Now, as far as the players are concerned and, and Joe Judge putting the discipline on them after the brawl, I think it's important to note that you don't have a lot of guys that are on that team that are pushing back against Joe Judge doing the types of things that he's doing. Like, it's unconventional to have guys one wind sprints and, and do push-ups in practice as a punishment for a team fight. But the fact that he did it and that you don't have veteran players speaking out against it, mm-hmm. I think that gives you a little bit of insight as to how the players on that team feel about him i'm telling you right now i like joe judge i like joe judge i'm a fan of joe judge hembo you have a very skeptical look on your face this is what you have to if you if you want to convince yourself the giants are going to be good this is what you have to do this blood and guts nonsense the giants have very little talent on this team and we're going to convince ourselves that some brawl the first the second week of training camp and the fact that the players actually ran and put did push-ups for him means that it's a good sign what is that i mean the reason they all ran and did push-ups is because none of them are good enough to say no we're, we're taking this much too far. We're reading much too into this. A month before the season started, I, this is a slow time of year, but to me, this, is a, this does not move the needle in one direction or another. It's definitely not a good sign for the Giants either. And what's your favorite team again? The Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, I rest my case. Mm. So the point of it is that this is a good sign, that chemistry is important, that Joe Judge is a good coach, and the team has respect for him, and they have much more talent than you are suggesting. If you just look at the names on the backs of the jerseys on offense, there are two questions. One, does the offensive line continue to stink? It shouldn't. They address it every single year, and somehow it always gets worse. I don't know how they do that. It's almost (laughs) impossible to believe. But every year they make some huge dramatic move to address their offensive line, and every year it gets worse. So I don't know how that happens. But they, the whole thing centers now around the offensive tackle, Andrew Thomas, who they drafted fourth in the draft last year. And Lewis Riddick came on this morning on, on Get Up and, and called him a turnstile, which I think is fair. They drafted him ahead of Mekhi Becton. They drafted him ahead of Jedrick Wills. Shefty pointed out they drafted him ahead of Justin Herbert, who they loved the year before. And if he had been in the draft the year before, they might have taken instead of taking Daniel Jones. So... To me, the first question is, does the offensive line get better? It can't get worse, but it doesn't mean it gets good. The second is, can the quarterback play? I know he fumbles a lot. I know. But I think when you put a rookie quarterback on the field and his offensive line stinks, bad things tend to happen. And if the offensive line gets better, I think he – look, they drafted him sixth for a reason. Either they were just totally wrong. I mean, either they just missed the boat on him completely, which when you take a quarterback that high and you consider all the other quarterback moves they haven't made in the last few years, I think that is a fireable offense. I'm not one who calls for people's jobs, but that if he got that that wrong, that I think is a fireable offense, but I don't think he did. I think Daniel Jones has the talent to be a decent quarterback, maybe not a great one, but a good enough one. And you put Saquon Barkley behind him and Kenny Galladay out on one side and Sterling Shepard out there and this kid Kadarius Toney out of Florida and, and the tight end and everything. I think that they have a chance to be good. I think they have good players. And that defense, at the start of last year, I don't have the numbers in front of me. At the start of last year, they looked like they might be the worst defense in the NFL. By the, by the second half of that season, that defense looked good. Yeah, they went 5-3 and three over that eight-game stretch the second half and finished seventh in defense over that span. They looked good. And I I give a lot of that to coaching. And I give a lot of that coaching. Look, that's a team that was buried early in the season, and they hung in there. Now, part of it might be that the division never ran away, but even so, I feel pretty good about the Giants. I think the Giants have a chance to be a sneaky, 
sneak into the playoffs kind of team. Like, I think Washington is head and shoulders the best team in that division. But there are seven teams that make the playoffs this year. And I believe that the Giants have a chance to be the seventh. Which brings us to question of the day. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. I have a question of the day here for you. One question? No, this is another question of the day. I had a question of the day earlier. (laughs) Now I have another question of the day. Why do you have a problem with that? Because I think we need Bubba to legislate on this. This is the second day in a row we've run into this problem. And I I need some backup here. I need some backup. Now we're sidetracking ourselves in the middle of a very important conversation. But Bubba... Let me bring you in on this, and I'll allow you to be the sort of judge on this. And many of you may not know this, but before Bubba's career in broadcasting, Bubba was actually a judge, a sitting judge. Mm. Um, he was on the – I believe was on the Connecticut Supreme Court and once was considered uh, for the, a spot on the Supreme Court of the United States. And when passed over for that, he decided to become the board operator for this radio that show. That was rigged. But, but anyway, the point of it is, Bubba, yesterday Hembo said – that I cannot use this twice. You ask these questions. Greeny's question of the day. For separate questions, because question of the day implies that there is only one, and I do not feel that that is in any way spoken or unspoken in that piece of production that you made. So I ask you, can I do multiple questions of the day? Well, I would ask Hembo this. Mm. What is the show called? <laughs> it's, it's hashtag Greenie. It's, it's hashtag Greenie, not hashtag Greenies. Yeah, well, well, then I'm okay with him going question of the day multiple times. That's but, a smart man. This mm. is why he was such a good judge, because he's got great judgment. Okay. Anyway, let me go back. Now I forget what I was going to ask now. What was I going to say? Giants? Or maybe we were talking about... Oh, the- Giants. Yeah. No, uh, no, you're a Giant fan. Yes or no? They're going to make the playoffs. I am, and... You I are was, what? I just uh, said yes or no, they're going to make the playoffs, and you answer with I am. I am starting to get confident that they will make the playoffs. But I, the reason I tripped up was, as you know, uh, that Philly fan over there who their head coach won't even name Jalen Hurts as a starter yet, uh, was you know bashing the Giants. Devin made a great point in the control room when it comes to Hembo. And I'm going to let him tell Go ahead, Devin, because the, the moments at which Devin makes a great point are so few and far between. Go ahead, Devin. What is your point? It's just so hard to take anything Hembo is saying seriously today with that shirt he's wearing right now. I, I do agree. Do we have to do this again? Do we really have to do but this But I think again? this is a different shirt. You had a, another shirt that we made fun of all day. That's right. And suggested we can't take you seriously. This is from the Sandlot? Yes, this is from the Sandlot. I mean, this shirt, this is, this is the great Hambino. It has, it has hot dogs on it, baseballs. It looks like, uh, what are these things here? Uh, an, like an ice cream sandwich, maybe? <laughs> yeah, there's an ice cream sandwich on here as well. It's can, I, can I just say, shirt. because the overwhelming majority of our audience, we, we do stream every day on ESPN+, and we invite you to watch, but the, the overwhelming majority of our audience can't see the shirt, so let me do my best to paint a picture. Hembo was wearing what I would describe as a Hawaiian shirt. I don't know how else to describe that style. That's right. Is that the name of the style? Yes, and I'm to be taken seriously. It's a short sleeve button down. Also frequently, well, I won't, I won't go there. <laughs> uh-uh. I'm not a big uh-uh. fan of the short sleeve button down, but that's neither here nor there. I know people wear it, and that's fine. Um, but your short sleeve button down. Yes. Is actually very colorful. It's sort of like a, a, a turquoise, maybe is, the, is the, the, the bottom the bottom line color. Yeah, and it does indeed have multiple pictures on it, not photos, but like you know, like like um, uh, like representations <laughs> of of the character, the great Hambino <laughs> from the movie The Sandlot, yeah. and then it has 
hot dogs and what appears to be ice cream sandwiches or s'mores. Maybe those are s'mores on your shirt. And I don't just mean like one of them. I mean, it is covered in them. It is it is it is the pattern. It is the design. And so, Hembo, I would just ask. Yeah. When, when you go to your closet and mm-hmm. you say, okay, I'm getting dressed to go to work tomorrow, where A, I work in a professional environment around right. a lot of other people, and B, mm-hmm. I'm going to be seen on television while, um, while, while fulfilling my duties on this show, mm-hmm. Greeny, what, what exactly is it that drove you to picking out that shirt? Yeah, so I asked myself the question, does it have a collar? Okay, so the answer <laughs> is yes, I wore it. I mean, by my standards for, for a summer day, this is actually pretty understated. I didn't, th- I, didn't, I didn't think this would cause such a riff. I mean, the, the birthday shirt was something else, but your birthday's not till tomorrow, right? Right. So I'm saving that. I'm preserving that shirt for that occasion. This, to me, is a normal shirt. Like, this, to me, doesn't deserve a couple minutes of attention on the we, radio. We, we, need to, we need to post a picture of the shirt. I, I need everyone's ruling oh, on gosh. this shirt. In the meantime, I've got a list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. Today's green list is going to be young quarterbacks in the NFL under the most pressure. And here's how I'm defining pressure. Because there are a lot of players under pressure for a lot of different reasons. But these are all quarterbacks, all of whom are closer to the beginning than the ends of their careers. In some cases, much closer. Who I believe are playing for their careers. Which is to say, I think they, all five of these players, will be career backups if this thing goes sideways on them this season, here are my five. Number five. I can't believe I'm saying this, but five is Tua Tungavailoa. I believe Tua is playing for his job, at least in Miami. I think that is a team thinking championship thoughts. And look, the, the early reports are good. People are saying positive things about Tua, and I actually think he's going to be really good. But if he's not, I believe this team goes hard after Insert name here, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, whoever. They've got the, the, all of the different things that they need, all these draft picks, all this capital, all these assets to use to try and go after that. So I believe they do. I believe as unfair as it may seem, this is Tua's chance to be the quarterback, at least in Miami, because I think some other team might give him a chance. That's why I put him at five, because there are four others who I think have more pressure. Number four. Four is my guy, Sam. Sam Darnold, I think, is under that kind of pressure. I think he gets a golden opportunity as the starting quarterback in Carolina. They could have taken a quarterback in this year's draft. They didn't. I think they believe in him. He's got good weapons around him. He's got good receivers. He's got a healthy Christian McCaffrey behind him, I hope. So I think he's, got, I think he's going to be great. But if he's not, then I think his next stop is as a backup. I think they move on from him. He doesn't have a contract. He didn't pick. Uh, oh, they did pick up his fifth year option. Yes, two years. But even so, I don't think he's the starting quarterback there or anywhere the following year. I think at best he goes to someone's camp and gets a chance to compete for a starting job. So I think Sam is playing for that. Number three. Number three is Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones, I, I, I think the Giants have made all of these aggressive moves on offense, all the players they've brought in, in order to be able to give a fair assessment of Jones. And I think that's the right thing to do. I think that they will look at Daniel Jones and they will say, you're either going to get it done, kid, now or not. And if he doesn't, I think they move on. And don't discount the possibility of Aaron Rodgers there, by the way. But that's a whole other discussion we'll have another time. I think Jones is going to play well. But if he doesn't, I do believe that they will move on from him. Those are my top. Those are five, four, and three. I will pause briefly on that. I'll come back and I'll tell you the two young quarterbacks under the most 
pressure this season. Next, after this word from Granger, for all the ones who get it done, Granger is always there to help. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, 24-7 support, free access to product specialists, and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call 1-800-GRANGER, click Granger.com, or just stop by. This is ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. We'll get back to that in a minute. We have so many things going on here. I need to finish my green list for today. After I remind you that Straight Talk Wireless has rolled out 5G coverage nationwide, and you can get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299, no contract. All on America's best network. Straight Talk Wireless 5G-capable device required. Actual availability coverage and speed may vary. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. Right, so finishing up the, the list, and, and it is the top five young quarterbacks, and, and by that I describe them as quarterbacks closer to the beginning than the ends of their careers, who I think are under the most pressure this year, and I define that as guys who I think are playing for their careers, guys who I think might be looking at being backups for the rest of their lives if it doesn't go right this year. And so if you're just joining me, I did 5, 4, and 3 earlier. I did Tua at 5, Sam Darnold at 4, and Daniel Jones at 3. Next Number two. is Jameis Winston. If not now, when? Now, I have been a believer in Jameis Winston all the way back. I used to joke, I'm, I'm going to be the last one dying on that hill in Tampa. And I, I, I died. <laughs> what can you say? I died. Tom Brady showed up and took the hill to a championship in one year. But if that doesn't motivate Jameis, what possibly could? This is the guy who was the number one pick in the draft six years ago. Number one pick. Six years. And has shown so many flashes. It's not like he can't play. He can do so many things so well. The problem is he's good for two touchdowns for his team and two touchdowns for the other team in every game. If we can just cut that in half, he'd really have something. And he went and got, like he graduated from Florida State, he went and got a master's degree this year in advanced quarterback play from Sean Payton and Drew Brees. If not now, when? I believe he's going to play well. I believe he's going to win that starting job. That goes without saying. And I think he's actually going to make that offense more dynamic because by the end of it, Brees couldn't throw the ball downfield and Jameis can. And what was the stat you gave Lewis this morning that I really liked about Jameis throwing the ball downfield? Well, yeah, I mean, in 2019, his last full season playing, he had eight touchdowns against only three interceptions, throwing the ball down the field, 20-plus yards. His problem came on the underneath stuff. 27 of his 30 picks in 2019 came on short and intermediate routes, which is more what the Saints have been doing with Drew Brees. Right, but I think that has been more because of Brees' right. limitations. Mm-hmm. So I think that is an interesting. I think he's going to be good. Now, this Michael Thomas thing is a mess I don't know what the hell is going on there, but one way or another, if not now, when for Jameis Winston? Number one. But number one, and he's not as young as some of the other guys I've put in this discussion, but it's Carson Wentz. And obviously he's hurt right now, and that's part of the problem, <laughs> is that Wentz has never shown you that you can depend on him, and, and that is both true of his ability to stay healthy and his ability to kind of be the guy. Like, he had every chance in Philly. They gave him every chance 
to be the guy, including choosing him over Nick Foles, who's like a cult hero. And it didn't work. And now he goes to India and he's hurt already. And we're talking about, well, should they bring in Nick Foles? And the coach is like sending love letters to Nick Foles in, in press conferences. And I don't think they'll bring in Foles, mostly because I think that would be so damaging to the psyche of Carson Wentz. But that's the point. So I think he's the one under the most pressure. I think if Carson Wentz doesn't get it done now, I think he's a backup. I think, I think he is a backup quarterback for the rest of his career, which is remarkable for a guy who looked like he might be the MVP of the league a few years ago. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. I'm ready to go right now. Green Light, green light. with Greeny. I'm going to give the green light to Hembo, and since we have limited time here, let's just cut right to the chase here, and let's get right to this column that Buster Olney wrote about the Chicago Cubs and their recent trade of all of their stars from the 2016 season. And I can tell you, I was in Chicago for the weekend playing golf, so I'm around a ton of sports fans. You walk up up and down a golf course, all you get are people in that town are people who are Cub fans. And every one of them is bemoaning this. They're devastated. They're sad. And they're angry at management. They're angry at ownership. They're angry at management. Hembo, tell them why they're wrong. Because it's not on management. The way that you put it earlier this week is the way that I would put it, too. This is actually on the players. What Buster wrote in his column was, a player who dropped in on the Cubs after a midseason trade in recent years found himself surprised by what he perceived to be a relatively low energy and the results speak for themselves. So just think about that for just a second. A player comes into the club's, the club's uh, clubhouse a year or two after winning the World Series, and he sees it, it's stale. He sees a lack of motivation. He sees a lack of energy, even a lack of work ethic. And that is the problem. The problem with the Cubs over the last few years, Greeny, is they, they had no Derek Jeter. They had no player that ensured that they remained hungry. So while the 2016 comes will live in, you know, live forever in Laura in Chicago and for good reason, the bottom line of it is that the players did not keep up their end of the bargain and that's why since then they won only one playoff series and this ended so unceremoniously. That's correct. It's the players, guys. They let you down. You will never stop loving them, nor should you. They gave you something that you had waited a lifetime, multiple lifetimes to experience, and so you will never stop loving them, nor should you, but they didn't hold up their end. So when the Cubs break up that team, when they ship off the pieces, and I've heard very good things about the prospects they've got. Now, that's much more your area than mine, Mm -hmm. but I've heard, generally speaking, that Jed did a very good job with the deals that they made. That's exactly the same thing that I heard, too, but obviously that's two, three, four years down the road. Right, but that's how they did this. And prospects will break your heart. The Cubs did the exact right thing, and it actually takes a smart, unemotional general manager to make that decision, not to give Chris Bryant $200 million or not to give Javier Baez $200 million because they didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. The only thing that they did was they won you the championship that broke the 108-year drought and since then have disappointed every single year. All three, Rizzo, Bryant, and Baez, all peaked at 25 or younger. That's a player problem. It's not a problem with the Cubs. It's not a problem with the front office. They, the, the Cubs were the, the, fr- the, the freshmen in school that win states as, you know, their first year in high school. And then from then on, they, they, they get away with murder with the teachers. They have the prettiest dates. And they never reach the top of the mountain again because they've already done it once. That's, I, I, what the Cubs, that's what happened to the Cubs here. I Randy. think that's right. And, and what I think is compounding the frustration of the fans is how good they've all been since they got moved. Mm-hmm. Rizzo has <laughs> driven in a run in every game. Yeah. <laughs> Baez is making these spectacular athletic plays, that slide that he had the other He's night. Brian hit a home run in his first game mm-hmm. in San Francisco. So I think that is kind of 
um, pouring salt in the wound a little bit. But, guys, I have to tell you, and you know I love you from the bottom of my heart in Chicago, but it was the players. They let you down. Those guys that you will love forever, and again, you should. But they didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.